Authorization required. Captain's log. The impossible has happened. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Enter authorization code. We might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. Our mission is to go forward. It has just begun. There's still much to do. Still so much to learn. Security authorization accepted. Command codes verified. Transfer complete. You're listening to An Hour with the Continuing Committee with your host, Charlie Plain. Hey, I'm Jordan Leung. You can find me on the forums of Stracking Phoenix. So, you're here to talk about 1E Regionals. Tell everybody a little bit about your history with 1E and your performances to date to justify why you why they should listen to your opinion. <laughs> Let's see. I've been playing 1E um, since about the time first contact came out. Uh, played just with friends. Never really got into the tournaments when I was pretty young. Got back into it um, just before the time the continuing committee came out. Actually, no, that's a lie. I was around when the Ghost came out. And uh, around then, started getting friends in college back into it and stuff like that. I uh, started going to Worlds once the Continuing Committee started holding it at Gen Con. And uh, 2006 is when I took the World Championship title. And I've been playing ever since. And I've yet to reclaim it, but gotten second place a few times. Yeah, so you're pretty good at this game. So I like to think I'm okay. And um, so... We're recording this a little ahead of when it comes out, but uh, you have seen Shades of Grey. I have. What do you think? Well, even though the fact that it's named for a horrible episode, the set really has some good things and adds a lot of great stuff to the game. There's a lot of cards that people will just look at and say, hey, that's just binder fodder. Um... Those cards can be coming out, and watch it be useful again. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun to see some of those just really terrible cards uh, become useful. Um, in fact, yeah, today's spoilers that go up the same day as this article show off the the cycle of Shades of Grey events, which you know makes those old dilemmas uh, kind of lethal. And uh, there are some fun combos waiting to be discovered with. I mean, when you can use Nitrium Metal Parasites to, to really mess up somebody's day in the modern game, that's pretty cool. So, so. Yes. <laughs> uh, one thing that I'll talk about that we haven't quite spoiled yet, but Shock When the Walls Fell used to be this great dilemma back when Premiere and even just Alternate Universe were out there, and that might see a comeback now along with a few others that used to be so awesome and just gotten stuck in the binder. So we're going to talk about this season, this this regional season. We're going to sort of go, what I've done is I interviewed uh, uh, several members of the 1E community. We have a designer, we have an ad rules guy, we have a, a player, and we have yourself. Um, to, to rank the affiliations, we have 16 uh, 1E affiliations. Some of them are sort of grouped together, but um, we rank them in order from 1 to 16. How those people think that they will do through the regional season, meaning will they, how many they'll win, how often they'll win, and, and so forth. And uh, we put together a composite list, and, and Jordan and I are going to go through that list bottom to top and talk about those affiliations and, and why they're going to do well or why they won't do well and, and what might surprise you uh, this season. And then, uh, assuming we can schedule it and, and you're willing, we'll have you back on at the end of regional season and sort of compare our predictions to our uh, actual results. So, you ready to go? Let's do it. All right, so starting at number 16 is Kazon. Uh, nobody ranked the Kazon higher than 14 in the survey. Um, some most ranked it dead last. Why are the Kazon going to do virtually nothing this year? Uh, when I rank them, I rank them close to last as well. 
their free reports just aren't as good as Corrosion or Vidian. And they don't have transporters. Like, you have to waste to play just to get some transporters or have them working with someone else. Their skills aren't that great, and their free reports, you gotta have someone in play before you can start playing them for free. You gotta draw those people instead of just stacking in videos with medical classification or your alpha heroes. Or playing people for free to Voyager. You gotta plan it well ahead of time to figure out which case on you wanna play. They don't have any really great strengths, so I wanna battle the uh, Herodians to pick their ass anyway. Yeah, so. Basically, in in spite of them being a Delta Quadrant affiliation and, and having you know high skill density and lots of special downloads, the the setup cost is too much. Yeah, I would say so. Now, it, it, are there any Kazon tricks that might surprise somebody, or are they really just a, a non-competitor? I wish I could even think of something. I couldn't even remember last time I've seen a Kazon Kazon deck that really did well at all. I know they got played in the 1E uh, Voyager Warp Speed tournament, but then again, that's, you know, that's Warp Speed, so. Yeah, a little different. All right, so Kazon, pretty much non-competitors. That takes us to our number 15, which is, is the Klingons. And uh, you you had them fairly low. I mean, you had you had split them into Alpha and Delta, but most, most people didn't. <laughs> what What's the trouble with the Klingons? And, and, and keep in mind, everyone out there, uh, when we're discuss, I should have set this up front, but when we're discussing these things, uh, Jordan, as I said, has seen Shades of Grey, so he may be hinting at and knowing some things that the general public doesn't quite know yet. So, so keep that in mind if he says something a little odd. But a- anyway, Klingons, why why so low for one of the classic affiliations? Uh, I wish Klingons did better. You know, in the shows, they were so awesome, all kinds of battle stuff going on, but. Truthfully, they just can't keep up. Their free reports are horrible. Most of them that report for free to the Klingon High Council just have one skill, two skills, and they aren't even good. They have an overload of the same skill. Most of them are security, honor, officer, that's about it. Just, they have no dilemma-busting power, and in general, they just can't keep up with anyone even in the Alpha Quadrant, never mind Delta Quadrant. All right, so just just the the artifact of them being most of their personnel being premier era one and two skill crappy people is just they can't overcome it even with some of the new stuff they've had. Yeah, I mean we've seen a few things so far. I think Flox is going to add a lot. Um, they've been lacking in medical, so throwing him in there and throwing in the new time location from. Uh, well, I'm totally blanking. Straight and steady. Straight and steady, thank you. <laughs> it's helpful. The augments are nice, but I don't, I still don't think it's enough to keep up. I think the augments work better in an Enterprise deck than a straight-up Klingon deck. I, I think you're right, although they do give the Klingons access to really solid drawing. Um, you know, be, between the free, the free reports of the augments, the card draws from the general, uh, uh, the absolute power, and temporal shifting... The Klingons should be able to draw quite a bit. It's just, like you said, that their free plays are just really bad. If they had another play engine, maybe they'd be able to compete. Moving on to 14, and another classic affiliation comes in 14, uh, the Romulans. And the highest they scored on our survey was 9th, and you had them at 13th. Is it the same problem, or, or what? what's the Romulans issue? I think the only reason why I put the Romulans above the Klingons was because I liked the trick with their new time location. But the problem with their time location is it isn't even that specific to Romulans. Like, I've seen it slashed in other decks, where they're just having the Raptor follow people around. Um, but, yeah, without backward compatible cards, a lot of Romulans just suck. Like, it takes the backwards compatible ones with Tall Shiar to keep up. They have a lot of skills that they're adding. Yeah. But they haven't even seen a lot of love in any reason set, really, outside of Straight and Steady and their Raptor. Yeah, I mean, they got the the Vulcan Occupation card, which is of 
while I enjoy it, it's of dubious utility. Um, although, you know, it's possible with, uh, what is it, prejudice in politics and using some of the backwards compatible cards to uh, generate a lot of points for the Romulans, so... That is true. I have seen a few decks that use that trick really well. Yeah, but it's... I still it's, think it's a fairly gimmicky deck. I don't disagree with you. And, you know, the Romulans feel like an affiliation with a lot of potential that hasn't really been realized yet. And and hope maybe someday they'll get a whole expansion that, that really focuses on what they do and giving them a reason to do the tricky jank they do. I, I mean, there's... I have I have a Romulan deck that's decent, but it really doesn't... I mean, it has Romulans in it, but it doesn't really rely on them. It... it it uses Romulans just so I can use uh, plans of the Tal Shiar to feed events to, uh, well, the the, uh, the new uh, Orion card that hasn't been spoiled yet. But uh, that that deck is, is fairly fun. But uh, the reason I use Romulans is because they have the Viceroy who lets you download events. And they have the, uh, the guy from Life for Lifelessness that lets you take them back out of your discard pile. So you can sort of continually cycle events for the uh, Orions to chew on. So, But you're probably right. They're probably not going to do too well. Next on the list at number 13 is the Klingon-Cardassian Alliance. And you had them highest of the panel at number 11. Really? <laughs> I wasn't quite sure where to put them, to be honest. Whenever I want to play a Miracle the deck, I always think about starting with them, and it always ends up turning into a Terran Empire deck. <sighs> Between the two Mirror Quadrants affiliations, KCN really does a lot worse in Terran Empire. And I always just have more fun with Terran Empire, because you can throw in the original series Mirror people as well. <sighs> I mean, they're nice because they have ore process, better access to ore processing with their Odo, but... Yeah, they just have a hard time keeping up. Plus the fact that Terran Empire can generally work with the Federation from the Alpha Quadrant. KCA doesn't really have the advantage of having those awesome people to throw in as well to mix with. Yeah, and, and I think they have a similar problem to what the Kazon did, is in a lot of their free reports rely on having specific people out. And, that is I mean, also the problem. You know, they have a lot of free plays, they have a lot of draws, they have a lot of downloads, but... It, it's a lot of pieces to make work when you can just run the the Terran Empire time location in the facility and get just as many free plays and just as many special downloads without all of the headaches, it seems. Exactly. And the problem with those people that report for free when someone else is in play is, like, if I throw the Intendant and Overseer Odo or whatever at a mission attempt and they both die, then I lose those free reports. Absolutely. And, and that slows your deck down quite a bit. I know KCA are fan favorites, but it, it just doesn't look like they have what it takes to uh, to make a splash this season. Well, that, that leads us to number 12. So we did the bottom four. Now we're getting into the mid card here. Number 12 is the Ferengi. Uh, now, Ferengi are ridiculously complex. Is that enough of a reason for people to shy away from them? <laughs> I've only built one or two Ferengi decks in my time. They are so complex. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of work to get them to work right. A lot of what my Ferengi decks have always relied on is use of bonus points to help get them up to the 100 points that they need. Their missions are hard. If you take a look at them, they're either having to use other cards, like I think it's bribery, to even attempt missions, or the missions that they have with the Ferengi icon on them already really hard. And a lot of them, too, you have to go to the Gamma Quadrant, which with Ferengi, they have those rule cards, which will get them bonus points, but that's still a lot of setup for not a whole lot of game. Not to mention that... Uh, no, I just lost my train of thought completely. Oh, a lot of their missions are, are stealable, too. They, they, they tend to be on universal missions a lot, and that doesn't help anybody. Exactly. It, now the Ferengi are going to get a, a little bit of love here in uh, in Shades of Grey, and and the the playtest reports just loved these personnel. 
that, that they're getting. And, and they plugged a lot of skill holes and helped them out a lot, but it, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be enough, does it? I don't think so. All the new cards are really good, and they're powerful, and I would probably put all of them in any ranking deck I have. The problem is none of them are playing for free. Well, you can you can play them for free with, and the number of the rule is escaping me, but there's the rule that says if you've got a guy that names another guy, you can play them or download them or, or something. There's a trick to getting them out, but it again, it's it's you have to have that trick, whereas somebody like the Herogen just drops people for free. Yes. So, I, I love the Ferengi. I really would like to see them... Uh, much like the Romulans, I'd like to see them grow into something exciting as we start moving forward with development and, and really giving these factions uh, cultural identity and their own unique flavor. But for now, for regionals, uh, I mean, they, they do a lot of card drawing. Uh, every time I've played Ferengi decks, I always wish I had Scorched Hand because they end up with like 25 cards in hand. But they just can't solve missions. That is true. This leads us to number 11, which is the Dominion. And and you had the Dominion pretty much last, but one of our rules guys had them up at number 5, and I really wish he was here to tell me why he thinks they're so good, but this is one of the largest swings of any faction on the chart. Um, what's, what's going on with the Dominion? Yeah, the only people I had them ranked above in my list were Alpha Quadrant, Non-Aligned, Delta Quadrant, Klingon, and Neutral, which is pretty much Wales' fourth-person spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only competitive Dominion deck I've seen at all was uh, from Jeremy last year at uh, Gen Con. But his was a lot different than any other Dominion deck I've seen. He didn't even play in the Gamma Quadrant. Um, the largest problem I've had with Dominion are they're slow to get out. Their best free play is the Founders. And then getting Jem'Hadar into play using uh, Deos to get the card drop is good. But Vorta don't play for free unless they're dying and you're downloading them with Clone Machine, which is banned in OTS. Yeah, and I know Jeremy's Dominion deck, which which I've put together and played, it's solid, but it relies on Ward Council, which is also currently banned. So, yeah. um, you know, they don't have... Their best missions are backwards compatible, I've noticed. Whenever I try to build... A Dominion deck, their their actual one emissions are, are just really really awful, and most of them, most of the ones you'd want to use are stealable, like the Ferengi. In order to get their best free plays, though, you have to go to the Gamma Quadrant, and and the Gamma Quadrant Dominion missions, even the backwards compatible ones, aren't that great. You know, they're like all five span. Yeah, it's so slow moving in the Gamma Quadrant, and the missions are either difficult or not worth playing. Yeah. So it just seems like they have a lot of. I mean, Jeremy's deck is solid, and if you could, if you could take that deck, it's in the deck builder. If you could take it and adapt War Council out of it, maybe using uh, that certain non-aligned facility that will spoil next week, um, you might do some stuff with it because his deck was was small and efficient. But in general, they're just too slow. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. But, you know, once that non-aligned facility comes out, it will be exciting. The whole Alpha Quadrant will be seeing access to a whole subset of cards that really have never seen play, to be honest, that I've seen. Yeah, it, it, you know, that that's true. And, and speaking of non-aligned, they're our number 10 choice. Uh, you had them at fourth. I mean, I think you had them split between alphas and deltas, I believe. But uh, in the composite, yeah. composite ranking, they were highest on your chart. I put them as number seven. Our other panelists put them fairly low, but they came out at number ten. I had Alpha Quadrant Online basically last, whereas I had Delta Quadrant Online just four. Yeah. And there's a huge difference in my mind. Delta Quadrant Non-Aligned, you've got the entire Equinox crew and all the Maquis who can then work with the Herogen and the Vidians if you mix them together as well. Whereas Alpha Quadrant... They suffer from the same problem, mostly, that the Klingons and Romulans have. A lot of them are old, and, well, they just don't have the skills that other people have. Plus, now with War Council gone, we're not seeing most of them play for free at all. And 
there isn't a whole lot of reason to put them in a deck when you can have other people with your affiliation that have better skills or more skills. It, it seems like since Straight and Steady, the, the only non-aligns I really see are Orions, simply because they're free-played. They're yeah. free played. Um, I agree with you that the Delta non-aligns are, are really solid. Uh, there's not a lot of non-aligned hatred in 1E like there is in 2nd Edition, so there's really no downside. Um, I do think we're going to see uh, a couple motion pictures related non-aligned decks. I mean, you can you can do some stuff with Khan and Cybok and the, and the Sona. Um, one of those three factions, I, I believe, will be played uh, a good bit. And you'll see more about that as we spoil more cards. So next is the Borg. And they were almost universally ranked number 10. But what one person ranked them up fairly high. I know he's a big Borg fan. So they ended up number nine on the chart. What about the Borg? I'm a huge Borg fan. But in my mind, their biggest problem is they only have one trick. They're trying to assimilate Earth. And if you're playing against the Borg, and the Borg player sees Earth, you know to throw all your dilemmas under Earth. They're trying to assimilate it. Yeah. I mean, they can go for other things. They can try to... Um, Assimilate a different home world. A few people try assimilation, which is slow and unreliable. Or to harness particle zero one zero, which again can be unreliable. You really have to rely on programming, which if you get hit by the juggler, we'll screw that up too. So they either do really, really well in a game or really horrible because they either take Earth or they don't. And that's why I can't see them doing well on a regular basis. Play. Yeah, now they got a couple new tricks. I'm a fan of the new Borg Queen. I know she's probably not as good as uh, the first Contact Queen, but a lot of people, like, I don't have access to her. Um, I have a, a, a splattering of Borg cards. I would use the new Virtual Queen over the Voyager, or the, the Borg Queen from the Borg set. And their new drone can be very handy in the right situation. Six or seven is, you're right, he's useful in the right situations. It actually hurts my board deck, because I had basically been using the backwards compatible version, which was a little bit overpowered as sort of a draw engine, downloading that drone and getting the cards that I wanted. And yeah, the board queen is nice. I would agree that she's better than the, the Voyager board queen um, from the board set, but I still can't find a reason not to use one from first contact. Except for the fact that you're right, she's getting harder and harder to find. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think that this board Queen, there's only really one or two situations you would use her over the first contact board Queen, given equal access. But, you know, the, the fact that she's virtual, she's printable, I can put, you know, four or five copies in my deck if I need them and, and have her. Whereas if, if I, I might, if, if I'm lucky, I'm going to get one first contact Borg Queen, and, and that's probably it. And it can be tough to, to play the Borg with only the one. And, and uh, We Are the Borg, you know, is a promo, so it's 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 going to be printable next year, and, and I know some people have it. I, I don't know. I think they might make a splash with some of the new stuff, but, but you're right. They're, they're sort of, you know, if you see Earth in a Borg deck, it's going to be... A bad day for the Borg trying to solve it. So maybe you can red herring them and put Earth and not intend to use it. I don't know, but that brings us to number eight. Your preferred version of the Mirror Quadrant is the Terran Empire. And you put them at number nine. They came out uh, number eight. So tell me about the Terran. I mean, we touched on it earlier, but but what's 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 attractive about the Terran Empire and, and what weaknesses do they have? I think their biggest strength is they're pretty easy to play for free. You know, you're just dropping them one for free at the time location, one for free at their headquarters. And most of them have really great skills, and a lot of them have a nice download. The problem with just the Terran Empire is they can't really stand alone, because a lot of their cards, they have people with three skills, but as an affiliation, they only have one or two of those skills. And so when those people die, you're losing those skills, and I don't know. They do all right, but they don't do great. I, I, I see them comboed with 
the Alpha Quadrant TOS people a lot too because there's really good overlap between them. Yeah, that's where the great overlap comes in because their equipment all works well together. Problem with that again though is you're having to move them into the Alpha Quadrant and then everybody's having to time travel as well. True. There's a lot of you know resource manipulation. Uh, Multi-dimensional transporter does help a bit, but um, yeah, I mean they have uh, they have a lot of free reports. And another big plus for them is that you can get them out of one set. You you can buy a couple boxes of Mirror Mirror, which which is still uh, pretty available and pretty affordable. Um, you can get a couple boxes and put together a pretty good Terran Empire deck just using Mirror Mirror. And if you get triples with it, it's just gravy. Um, I don't know if that makes it attractive to new players or or what, but I think we'll see a, a lot of Terran Empire and people who are just buying into the game and expanding their collections. That's a good place to go, especially if, if Shades of Grey really does bring in some of these uh, pack-era players. They can take that, go buy some uh, Tribbles or some Mirror Mirror and, and play a pretty solid Fed deck for not a lot of cash. That is true, and there's actually a card in Shades of Grey now that it has been on the OTF ban list, but I think he'll be coming back in a way that's more appropriate for him than what he had been being used for. Yeah, and I think, you know, that version is better than the other version simply because of the way you can get him into play. And he has something really, really interesting that you guys will see. Let's move on to number seven and talk about the Cardassians. If I had to guess, I don't know a lot about the Cardassians, but if I had to guess, I would say that there are two cards that put them this high on the list, and that is uh, Dominion War Efforts and Krelma Set. What about you? <laughs> the reason why I have them higher than some of the other affiliations is simply because of Krelma Set. He's awesome. He is killing weenies to get good people. Well, or drawing cards, or... I don't know. There's no reason not to include him in the Cardassian deck. Problem is, you have to get him there, which is usually a temporal micro wormhole. You know, and, and that card can be kind of hard to track down, but uh, a lot of people have a lot of that set, and all you need is a facility with a holodeck, and boom, there you go. Instant draw engine with assigned support personnel, Dominion War efforts, and him, you're getting plenty of card draws and good Cardassians, and it, it, he's solid. And, it, you know, Tell me about Cardassian capture. Is it is it a threat, or is it too intensive, too card intensive? I've never really seen capture as being too much of a threat. I mean, yeah, it's a pain. You take away one of my guys, but I know in second edition it's a it can be a much bigger deal. Whereas in first edition, I've got people that can replace them. I'm not that worried if you're torturing my guys. <laughs> yeah, you get like three points or one point or whatever you're doing with them, but Meanwhile, I'm out solving missions. So that takes us to the top six, which is pretty much the most likely to show up, I would say. Um, let's let's jump into the n number six. Number six are the Cardassians' mortal enemies, the Bajorans. And, and they, they had a pretty decent spread, ranking anywhere from number three to number 12 on various lists. But you had them at number six, which is where they fell on the list. What is attractive about the Bajorans, and why are we going to see them? I love Bajorans. They are by far my favorite Alpha Quadrant affiliation to play. Deep Space Nine is awesome for Bajorans, just because of the access they get to all their personnel, even though you're giving up that card draw at the end of turn by using Hawks. Um, and Bajoran Resistance Cell is a great card. You're getting your personnel where you need them to be. You don't have to go pick them up. Right. It's also a draw engine by itself, just getting you those espionage cards, which can also help your deck by putting in missions that don't have the Jordan icon on them, but you know you'll have access to them. I also think the the quality of the Bajoran free reports is is really high. Um, granted, they tend to be a lot of civilians, but the Bajorans get something in this set to help with that. Actually. I think both of the cards the Bajorans get are pretty good for them. Uh, the, the The personnel is, you know, nice skills. He's he's downloadable and he has a very useful keyword. And the event that they get 
it is kind of limited in its usefulness, but when you need it, if you can get it when you need it, it's going to really help them overcome one of their big weaknesses, at least in my opinion. That's true. I've often complained that this was their their largest weakness, but given the fact that of who their free plays are, I think it's going to be helpful in that aspect. Plus, it's solving a broken link, which is always nice. Absolutely, and, and as we've mentioned, we do a, a couple of those in in, in Shades of Grey. So, I would say the only knock against the Bajorans is that they're hard to play as a new player because it's very tough to get Deep Space Nine. There's a few places that still sell it. You can trade for it, but that's not an easy set to come by, and you kind of need it to play Bajorans. So, let's move on to number five, the Vidians. And you put them as third on your list. They went anywhere from three to number 11. Wow, then, really, guys? <laughs> hey, I, I, you know, I didn't really ask for explanations. I just said rank them. So. <laughs> Why are the Vidians up so high? For me, it was a toss-up who to put in first. I mean, the people I put first, second, and third, for me, could have all gone in first easily. Vidians, there's no reason to not include them in a Delta Quadrant deck. I mean, you just need to see their outpost. You're downloading the sodality. And just stock up medical Vidians if you're doing nothing else, and they're all playing for free. I mean, even though we've lost Delta Quadrant's facial scission, we've lost uh, stealing organs. You know, their skill beats like Dinara Pal, um, that other guy, whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, their skill beats you're playing them for free. There's no reason not to have them in a Delta Quadrant. And again, they're Delta Quadrant, so they're skill heavy, they're attribute heavy, and they have a lot of downloads. So, you know, they're 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 solid. They're 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 tough affiliation to to deal with, and they're hard to stop. And while while efforts have been made to hurt the Delta Quadrant, and I think that some of them are are working to an extent, I don't think that's nearly enough. I mean, the dilemmas from life from lifelessness can can be a trouble for you in the Delta Quadrant. The Distracted by Thoughts from Home is my personal favorite because it can annoy you with making you discard cards if you, you know, put that in front of a couple stoppers and you have to waste cards to get through your missions. Uh, not to mention the attribute uh, penalty, but I, I just don't think quite enough has been done to the Delta Quadrant yet between the ban list and the new cards. I, I think it's it's an ongoing process, but as you'll see, there are. Uh, three Delta Quadrant factions in the top five, and that's... I think last year it would have been five Delta Quadrant factions in the top five, but uh, at, at least it's, I think it's getting a little better. I think Alpha decks have a chance now, whereas they didn't before. They definitely have a much stronger chance against Delta Quadrant, especially with Shades of Grey, and what they're getting here, versus what they've had in the past against the Delta Quadrant. I mean... Uh, hey, I might not even be playing Delta Quadrant in regionals this year. We'll see what I come up with. But I, 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 I think the point is that there's, there's a, there's still a power gap between the two, but I think it's gotten narrower over the past sure. year. Yeah, losing Delta Quadrant spatial decision was a big thing. Um, ancestral vision, losing that was another big thing. But the gap is narrower. It's still not even yet. We're getting there. I think we're getting there. That's a whole topic for another podcast, though. So let's move on to number four which uh, different people split this up differently, but I, I did math to sort of combine it all back together. And number four is Alpha Quadrant Federation, which which includes movie feds, TOS feds, and standard vanilla federation. So this is sort of a big topic. Let's, let's start with vanilla federation in general in the Alpha Quadrant. They're getting a lot of love here in Shades of Grey. Is it enough for a vanilla fed deck to do anything against another competitor? We're seeing a lot of cards from Shades of Grey that are going to bring back Federation cards that haven't seen play in a long time. The problem is those cards still aren't that great. I don't think that by itself just vanilla Federation is enough to keep up with, especially the Delta Quadrant, or even, in my opinion, Bajorans or maybe Cardassians. I do think we're going to see 
a certain faction of Federation paired with another affiliation a lot. Um, I don't know if we've spoiled it yet. I forget what's been spoiled. I'm looking. We haven't spoiled it yet. Uh, Dan has an article coming next week about the new play draw engine for one of the Federation factions. Um, it's good. I don't think it's tier one yet, but if you take that and you pair it with a different affiliation in a treaty deck, really solid, really solid deck. Um, so alpha feds straight up, maybe not, but let's, let's talk about TOS and movie feds. What, what kind of splash are they going to make? See, I struggled with whether I should split up movies, the original series, and, as we call them, vanilla feds. Then I realized you're not playing one without the other. You're not playing TOS without Office of the President, generally. Yeah. Um, I mean, the original series mixed in with uh, the Office of the President tends to work really well because they're getting good, or at least decent pre-plays. The movie personnel, I struggle with. They're not quite as good, in my opinion, keeping up with the original series. They, like, the stats on their ships might be a little bit better, but I find the equipment from the original series really puts them over the movie personnel. Absolutely. Um, the, I've seen both used in a Guardian deck to just get insane amounts of card draws and free plays. Um I, I think you're right, though. I think you're going to use. Uh, um, I think you're going to use. Wow! I just totally lost my train of thought again. I think you're going to use Office of the President and one or the other. And if you're going to use one or the other, you're going to use uh, TOS. Although I certainly have seen uh, four planet decks using Sherman's Planet, Kittimer, Earth, and uh, historic. Not whatever. What's it called? The Guardian Planet to. Use ball all the time locations and get all sorts of insane free reports and use temporal shifting and the Guardian of Forever for card drawing and play like six cards a turn. It's intense. It's it's very card intense, but it's it's fun to see. Um, I guess my biggest beef with Office of the President is that it it has a sort of limit. It, it, the people are okay at least with special skills, but they're very limited in terms of regular skills. You tend to get the same four skills on all of the people. Yeah, that's again the problem that Romulans and Klingons have with their personnel that are playing through their headquarters. A lot of them are from the Premier or the Pack era, and they're just not that great. Yep. Still, Federation are the, is the heroes of the show, and I always expect Federation to show up in every regional because people like playing the the good guys. Speaking of good guys, number three is Starfleet. And and you had them the lowest of all the panelists at number eight. Uh, the highest they got was number two. Starfleet has had a lot of love lately. What type of decks do you think we'll see from Starfleet, and why do you think they won't do so well? I definitely think there's going to be Starfleet decks, and they do work well. The problem is, like, even with all the love they had in Straight and Steady and even Life and Lifelessness, um, there's still dilemmas they can't overcome by themselves, which is why I'm not a huge fan of playing with, uh, is it We're Ready that doesn't let me play non-aligned? Yeah, We're Ready. Because they rely a lot on non-aligned to help fill in those skill gaps. I think with the loss of War Council was probably a big hurt for Starfleet, even more than like Delta Quadrant or other affiliations, just because they're missing a lot of skills or just have personnel that are lacking in certain areas. And even with all the new personnel that they have, I don't think it's quite been enough for me to put them over some of the other affiliations. So just as an example, can you think of something that they're missing that they can't come up with on their own? Yes, there is a one dilemma, and now it is escaping me. The one I, I've always hit that they have trouble with is I Hate You, because they don't have... A, they have a lot of youth, but they also have music on the same people in general, so they have trouble with that one. Um, they can get past executive authorization due to the Captain Keyword, Ethan Novakovich, and... Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. pretty well with those keywords, but... I, I think that their skill diversity gets better if you're using backwards compatible cards. The thing that I always run into with Starfleet is they, they only have 
one extra card play. They, they can get plenty of card draws using, you know, We're Ready and um, what's the other one? I don't know. There's another card that seeds that when you play a 22, you can draw a card. Uh, finally ready to swim. Sorry. Um, card names today. But, yeah, we're failing left and right. Um, you can tell the show is live. Anyway, um, they, they, but they only get one free report. And, yeah, you can put the Klingons in and get another one that way. And you can put in the Orions and get another one that way. But if you use the Orions, you're losing We're Ready, which, you know, you may not need if you're using Temporal Shifting and Absolute Power. But they, they, they're they good. And they, they're, they're probably the affiliation you can play printable the easiest. Um but yeah, I don't know if they I think they're solid, but if if there are certain dilemmas they can't pass, then I don't I don't know them or I haven't run into them. And if you do run into those, you're gonna have a bad day. So I shouldn't throw this out there, but yeah, in the tail moonlight was the one that I was thinking of. That's gonna stop Starfleet if they don't have it set up to get past it. Right, and, and that's a good one. Um, look at some of the backwards compatible mirror guys, and uh, you can you can use them to report for free to the time location and get through that card. But if you don't have them or you don't get them out, then you know, I, I will say the superstar of Starfleet is Phlox. I, I've had entire away teams scheduled to get slaughtered and saved them all because I had so many cards in hand. Uh, if you play a, a tight Starfleet deck with lots of drawing and a couple regenerates, you can pretty much keep your people from being killed by dilemmas. And that's... That's a big advantage in, in 1E. Just watch out for God. <clears throat> Alright, top two. We have two left. Number two was the Herogen that ended up being your number one. Why did the Herogen top your list? Charlie, you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, you cut out for a second there. Yeah. Number two. Sorry, apparently I'm having internet connection problems. Um, Number two is the Herogen. Which Herogen. topped your list? Why were the Herogen your number one? I went well with them. I I've got a special place in my heart for them. Um, but Herogen, as an affiliation, have the easiest access to holograms, and holograms are so awesome. They don't die. They just keep coming back. You just throw them that dilemma. You throw them that mission. Their one weakness is that they can't get down on the planet very easily. But as long as you can get a hollow projector on there, you don't have to worry about it too much. And Herosian with free reports, they sort of suffer from the same problem that um, KCA and Kazon have. You now you have to have people in play to get others in play for free, but all their first play for free, and all the first are really good. So just solid personnel, access to unkillable holograms, just the perfect storm of cards? My opinion, yeah. Do the Herogen have any weaknesses that others can exploit or that might cause them from being played? Um, I mean, as an affiliation, standing by themselves, I think they work best with the non-aligns from the Delta Quadrant and the Vidians. Standing alone, they may not do quite as well. They can also suffer from some skill gaps in that if the personnel die, you might not have easy access to that skill again. But then again, they have a lot easier access to nanoprobe resuscitation and things like that than in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, there's a lot of non-aligned Borg in the Delta Quadrant. I, I found that out the other day. So, All right, well, if I had a drum roll sound effect, I'd play it now. But that leads us to the number one choice. There you go. The Delta Quadrant Federation. So Voyager and Equinox, which were number one on three out of four lists. And you put them at number two. And I know you said earlier that they probably could have been your number one. Why are they still kings? Look at their skills. They're amazing. I mean, even the ones that don't play for free, it's hard to not put them in your deck. Like Janeway, Ferris, uh, Tuvok. They may not play for free to home away from home, but they have so many skills. I mean, Paris has three classifications. That's just crazy. Their skills are amazing. Their attributes are all so high, it's just hard to beat them. Yeah, I mean, they're solid. <laughs> I see people like complaining, comparing data 
to Seven of Nine, whereas like in the shows, you would think that they would be a good matchup. Whereas in the first edition, Data suffers because he's from Premier. That's true. And, you know, there are people who want a new data made, and I'm sympathetic to that. But if you do that, all of a sudden it's it's pure escalation because there's no reason to use the old one. So, you know, we're we're really handicapped by some of the decisions Decipher made and, and the obvious power curve increases. And all we can really do is, is do our best to close that power gap. And as like we said, it, it's it's been narrowed. I think it's been narrowed quite a bit, but it's hard to argue with people that have five, six, seven skills and multiple special downloads that can get you whatever you need. It's uh, they're they're a pretty tight package, and and you know Voyager, it it's it's not super cheap, but it's not horribly expensive, and you can get a case of it and build a really 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 solid deck and show up to a regional and do pretty well, especially combined with uh, a lot of the printable dilemmas. I could see a uh, uh, Shades of Grey based dilemma pile with a Delta Quadrant deck doing doing really well for a new player. So we wouldn't have dilemma piles because we like first edition okay. more. Sorry, dilemma <laughs> dilemma combos. You're correct. All right, so that was our list. Let's run down the list real quick and uh, feel free to jump in if you have any last minute comments here. Starting at the top. Federation Delta Quadrant, number one. Number two, Therogen. Number three, Starfleet. Number four, Alpha Quadrant Federation, but probably mostly TOS and movie feds. Number five, Vidian. Number six, Bajoran. Number seven, Cardassian. Number eight, Terran Empire, and that's the top half. Looking at the bottom half, number nine, the Borg. Number ten, Non-Aligned. Probably mostly Delta Quadrant. Although, I'm still putting some money on that uh, new new facility deck showing up. I would too. I think <clears> once <throat> people see that and how much power that kind of deck can have, we might see non-aligns move up quite a bit in this list. Yep. Number 11 is the Dominion. Number 12 is the Ferengi, although I'm personally rooting for them to do better because I think they're fun. Number 13 is the KCA, the Klingon-Cardassian Alliance. Number 14, the Romulans. And if I'm going to a 1E regional, I'm probably playing Romulans. I'm, I'm telling you that now. So I guess I'm planning not to win. But Number 15, Klingon. And number 16, the Kazon. So, what's the dark horse here? Wh which one of these affiliations that's ranked sort of in the bottom do you think is most likely to break out into the top. One Shades of Grey hits, I would put my money on non-aligns. Not straight up working by themselves, but they're going to be a huge component in the Alpha Quadrant decks. Once people see this new non-aligned facility, I think that's going to see a lot of play. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that plus the new Fed sub-faction together going to be a big dark horse. What is overrated here? Which one of the top decks do you think is uh, inflated so high that they're just going to fail miserably? I would have to go with Starfleet. I, I really wouldn't rank them as high as third. Um, I think they'll do pretty good. I think they will see a lot of play, but I don't see them winning every tournament either. So I just got a last-minute submission for the power rankings that, that didn't get factored in, but I just literally this second got this private message from uh, last year's world championship. The last year's world champion, uh, Andreas Rhinelander Ducat. Here's, he, here's what he did, okay? Number one, Borg. He says they're very strong if played accordingly. Number two, Delta well, Feds. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That's the problem, if played accordingly. True. That is the biggest flaw. I, I agree. And I think he's factoring this in, not counting Shade of Grey. But he might. I don't know. He doesn't make it clear. Number two is a Delta Fed slash Vidian deck. Number three is Alpha Quadrant Fed's mostly classic movies. Number four is Hirogen or Ferengi. He's got them tied. Well, he's got the Ferengi up there, which, hey, maybe he knows something we don't. <laughs> Could be. 
Number five is the Dominion. So let, let's see his, he has a note here that says, they are powerful, but very hard to handle, even for experienced players. I once saw an experienced player playing Dominion for the first time in a very long time. Since I knew the Dominion well, I crushed him. So again, he's, he's obviously a top player, a very good player. In the right hands, Dominion, as we mentioned, can be very good, but they're very hard to play. So probably explains their, their number 11 on the official list. Number six is Kazon. So <laughs> he's, he must know something we don't to put them back. <laughs> Number seven, Bajoran. Eight, Terran Empire. Nine, Cardassians. Ten are the Romulans or the Klingons. Eleven are not aligned, played without anybody else. And number twelve is KCA. And again, he notes they're hard to play, even for experienced players. So, interesting. You know, he's got some of the same stuff as, as the rest of us. It'd be interested to see how his scores would have changed the official rankings, but what do you, Anything in any other thoughts you have about this year's regional season you want to share with the, the community out there? I think things are going to change quite a bit once we beat Key Shades of Grey really. I think that's definitely going to uh, bring a lot of affiliations out that I haven't seen a lot of play. And I'm excited for it, to be honest. I think it'll be nice to see a little bit more variety than just everyone in the Delta Quadrant. I agree. And, and I think that Moving forward, that gap will get even narrower and narrower until they're even, and uh, hopefully they're even, and, and every affiliate, I mean, the ultimate goal is to make every affiliation right on that power line, plus or minus a little bit, obviously, but I, I look forward to the day where any one of these 16 affiliations has a reasonable chance of, of doing well against your average opponent. Any last Thoughts about Shades of Grey or one in general? Hmm. I guess I feel like I should comment on Shades of Grey. <laughs> one thing that I'm excited for is uh, there was one card that uh, was in contention for the Will of the Collective. On its own, the card may not be that exciting, but paired with something else that we're going to see here in Shades of Grey, it's a nice little draw engine that I think is pretty exciting, but can be fairly easy for, for people to include in their decks. Ah, yeah. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, and just so everybody knows, the, the Will of the Collective card, the, the Harry Mud, is not in Shades of Grey. He hasn't gone through testing yet. Uh, he will be going into testing for the next set. So, no Harry Mud in here, but uh, some stuff that Harry Mud might like. We'll just put it at that. So... But yeah, one of the cards that people were voting for, instead of going with Harry Mudd, someone else that I was pretty high in contention for that. We'll just say once people start to observe oh. greatness. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 know, I know what you're talking about now. Um, they will be spoiled next week in an article from our lead designer. So. All right, well, people look forward to uh, being able to observe greatness. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that'll be, I forget, that's going to be fun. In, in the right deck, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, all right, Jordan, thanks for being on the show. We will bring you back at the end of Regionals to see how we did with our predictions. Take a hand